0: All right, bring in in here right now. All right, all right. Yo, Anavaltus.
1: Hello. Hey, Thank how's it going, man? Me. Hey, yeah, yeah definitely, I'm, I'm man. I'm doing
0: great. Cool. Uh, so uh, what have you been working on these days? What's new with your online life and writing and all, all those good things?
1: Well, um, I, as you had mentioned a bit earlier, I'm uh, I'm getting ready to cooperate uh, with uh, Taurus Necris, uh to perhaps do a special edition of the book that I had published previously. I'm also uh, writing a bit of a sequel to that book as well uh, at the same time. Um, of course, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, w- when it happens.
0: Okay, so so why don't we just go back a little bit to your first book? I mean, you're, uh, you know, one, one thing I like to say that, that's really good about you is you're one of, one of the only people I've ever met that actually wrote a, wrote a book in, uh, in advance of a debate, basically tell, why don't you just talk about what that debate was and why you decided to put your thoughts on paper in such an organized form before a formal online debate or whatever, or if it was formal in the first place. Uh,
1: yes. So it was a debate, uh, with, uh, John from gen gap. Um, we had, uh, discussed the possibility of having a debate, uh, for a Christmas live stream, or, or maybe it was before Christmas. I don't I don't remember exactly when the live stream happened, but it was a, a longer stream where there was an opportunity for various time slots to be filled. And he uh, and I discussed the possibility of having a debate. And ultimately, we had to think about something where we probably disagreed on. So I decided to make the thesis of a debate um, that justice is derived from authority uh, to which he would be in the op- opposing position.
0: And where did he where did he claim that uh, justice is derived from? I mean, all morals fr- from your standpoint, all morals are, are derived from authority, right? Uh,
1: yes. Yes. In, in some way, they can all be linked back to
0: an authority. OK. And what did he yeah. have to say about that?
1: Well, we never found out because uh, he didn't prepare, and therefore we didn't end up having a debate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome! <laughs> That—that's that, that, very John's. One of my best friends, and that's very John-like. So, yeah, but I—I I w- I would assume since he's a
1: sort of libertarian-leaning mm-hmm. person, he would have gone with a natural law
0: idea. Mm. And you don't believe that. You know, I know that, you know, you've been on in the past. Now, I I think actually with you coming on this show right now that you've actually been on my show more than any other person, which is awesome. Um, But I we've talked in the past about, you know, your highest authority is God and, and so is mine. But, you know, and we've covered this subject a little bit. It's like in what way are nature and God not the same thing to you? Well, first of all, nature
1: is something that is created by God. And the, the creature and the creator are not the same. Mm.
0: But couldn't, the, couldn't the nature be in the, I mean, so, but also government was created by God, but you think, but you claim that government is basically an author, you know, is ordained by God. Couldn't nature be kind of viewed the same way?
1: Yes. And, and so I, I don't deny that. Moral things can be learned from nature that is not something that I deny what I deny is that nature in itself is what produces the justice in a system because I I define justice as uh, being composed of both the uh, idea of the correct uh, moral order, as well as the implementation of it. And therefore the idea of the correct moral order, um, if, if we take God into account, comes from God, and the implementation of it ultimately also comes from God in the form of the final judgment. And therefore, mm-hmm. nature is at best a mid, a middle man, essentially, in the revelation of uh, morals, but not in the actual uh, origin of morals. Because the way in which we come to know morals is not the same as the way that they are necessarily established.
0: Okay. And so 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 it's this isn't you're not about natural law whatsoever. So you you go against the way you think is is against the entire enlightenment, right? You know like what you would call like liberalism, and not in the the modern sense, in terms of like liberal conservative, but just classical liberalism, Western thought, this is not the way that you really see things, right? Um you, you could say that. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, I do agree
1: with Enlightenment philosophers on various things, especially when it concerns uh, developments in technology and uh, and developments in social orders and, and such things. I, I do think that they did have useful contributions. So I'm not saying that they were wrong about everything. I just think that uh, they were wrong about uh, ethics and mm. justice.
0: Okay. And so... Would you know the the so that would make and we've talked about this before and just let me you know see if I have this right. You believe all violent revolution or violent ways of overthrowing government are immoral, correct? Um. Yes, in unless it specifically is in
1: obedience to a higher power.
0: Okay, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, how could there be an example of? A uh, If all government is ordained by God, how could a violent revolution or a violent upheaval be in in line with God's moral order?
1: The idea is, if God tells you to do something, then it is a moral imperative to you. Hmm. And if God tells you to overthrow a government somewhere, then it is a, a moral imperative to do so. An example would be, and this isn't a a rebellion, but it it is an aggressive uh, overthrowing of a government, uh, the invasion of Canaan. Because the rulers in Canaan uh, also ruled there at God's pleasure. And God specifically chose to end their rule over that land uh, through the use of the Israelites as invaders.
0: Okay. And so... How do you, how does one know? (laughs) I mean, I think to me, a lot of the, the issues in the, in the world come from people thinking either, you know, claiming intentionally that, that, you know, that God told them to do something when in fact he didn't, or them just being, being delusional and saying that God told me to buy a Lamborghini or whatever. I mean, as a stupid example, um, how does one, how would one know that God told them to do something?
1: Well, there are, there are um, ways that are established for a long time. For example, the idea of non-contradiction. If God tells you to do something that is contradictory to, well, not if God tells you, but if a prophet tells you that God told uh, something that is contradictory to something else that we know God told, then that person is a false prophet, according to the Torah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So and so, I mean, it's kind of like a checks and balances system or, you know, a past precedent type type deal
1: in in a way. And I let me be very clear. I don't think that there's a lot of prophecies coming out today Mm. about about various things. So I I am I am on the side of people that uh, don't think that we're constantly receiving prophecies.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: So let, let me be very clear on that, that I, I don't think that that's something that happens a lot.
0: Yeah, okay. And so if you you're basically, you know, if God has said in the past and you take the Bible as God's word and if it, you know, directly contradicts God's word or, um, I mean, are there other sources as far as you're concerned of, you know, God's message in, in the world other than the Bible?
1: Well, I, I would say that I don't know of any. Of Other specific source. Now, there is the judgment that we have from the Holy Spirit,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the discernment that we receive uh, from our relationship with God. Uh, however, if, if we're asking about specific facts of whether something is right or wrong and we're not sure already, then we have to go to God's scriptures.
0: Okay. And yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like, are there, are there new prophecies? Are there, cause you know, I, I, I wondered about this a lot because I was, uh, um, people I knew were getting into Trump, you know, around the 2016, 2017 time. And I became a Christian, um, again, basically in 2019, early 2019. And, but through that time period, a lot of people said they, they were a prophet that predicted Trump. And a lot of these same people say they predicted Trump would win again and now they're wrong. Uh, but I've always wondered what the deal was, what the Bible says, or what the just what the deal is with modern prophets or modern revelations. I mean, is that scriptural?
1: Well, I, th- this is actually a, a pretty interesting theological dispute that has existed for a long time between the idea of cessationism and continu- continuationalism, or th- there's other ways to put it. But the idea that people have is, on on the cessationist side is that the signs that uh, the, the miracles that occurred in the early church were specifically meant for the establishment of the church and its authority, and that therefore after that period ended, that it was no longer necessary for God to dispense uh, the miracles that He had in that time period—that is the general argument. Hmm. Now, is it a, a bulletproof argument? Um, I, I think if God wants to do something in the world, He can do it at any time He wants. So I'm, I'm not—I'm not of the position that miracles can't happen. I'm just of the position that. Miracles are unlikely, and I would be very careful about believing somebody's claims of having witnessed a miracle or having performed a miracle, because there are a lot of people out there that are false prophets. There are a lot of people out there that are uh, engaging in heresies and, and such things, and even if somebody performs a miracle if they then put a a contradictory prophecy, they're still a false prophet. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so even if they perform a miracle, but they, they contradict a previous thing, you know, something directly in the Bible that um, they're kind of either a snake oil salesman, a charlatan. I mean, how could a, a miracle happen without, you know, do you think that, you know, the hand of God could make a miracle happen with a fall? Well, I don't know. Well, Everything, uh, yeah, go
1: ahead. there's a, a passage where there's people saying, Lord, Lord, haven't I uh, performed miracles and, and, and then various other things? Uh, I'm not I'm paraphrasing here. And. And he tells them, depart from me, I never knew you, mm. so.
0: Yeah. The, the idea wow. is that there
1: are people that look like they're very faithful, that seem to exhibit a lot of signs, but uh, that aren't actually saved.
0: Wow. Fascinating. That. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's from Matthew, I believe. Um Wow, so they so the, it it could happen cuz I mean Jesus said it. Wow. I mean, what about you know, God if God can do everything that he want, anything that he wants, if he's all powerful. Doesn't it say a couple times in the scripture um that God cannot lie? I mean, the word cannot is always interesting to me cuz you know, if he will not lie or he won't lie, you know, but is God is it is God reigned in by his own rules, do you believe? I I I would say
1: he's reigned in by his eternal and immutable character Hmm. that the reason he can't lie is because it's not in his character to lie. And he he doesn't change, so it could never be in his character to lie.
0: Okay. So omnipresent, and so omnipotent, omnipresent, and so he's been the same always. He's the same as he was at the beginning. He's the same way now, right? Yes. Okay. Wow. So, 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 are Did you say your sequel is going to be under Taurus Necris or it's going to be a different framing of Actionable Justice?
1: Uh, Actionable Justice is going to be there as a special edition. Okay. And the sequel, um, I I don't have an exclusive uh, publishing contract, so I'm going to uh, put the sequel out probably on Taurus Necris and also on other platforms uh that are monetizable.
0: Oh, cool. All right. Sweet. And um, what's the sequel going to be? You know, like, it's, how are you going to expound on it?
1: It's essentially a theological analysis of the first book, because the first book actually doesn't go into theology very much.
0: Really? So you 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 present your uh, would you say you're an authoritarian? Um.
1: No, I, I think that people would get the wrong idea on that mm. idea, because I, I don't That's think smart. I don't think that people shouldn't have liberties. I, I think it's good for people to have freedom. And freedom is something that uh, that is emphasized in the Bible. But I, I think that there needs to be a rule of law and that governments, uh, when, when they are organized need to be organized based on the real world and the reality of power dynamics in the real world and that therefore the government needs to organize it in organize itself in a way that is consistent with uh, real world ideas rather than how we would want the world to be mm. and at the same time that even though we do have freedom in Christ we are still followers of Christ. You still are king.
0: Okay, and so you, and and so, let me ask you this. Would you rather be free in a um, non-Christian? Well, I mean, before I even ask you that, what is freedom? What is liberty? Are freedom and liberty the same thing? Well, freedom and
1: liberty can, can be defined in a number of different ways. So, one way I've put it, and people have different definitions, so obviously people aren't going to agree, but I'm going to use this as an example to emphasize a particular point, is that freedom can be a freedom to do something. It can also be a freedom from something Hmm. affecting you. And so... When it's a freedom to do something, you can call it a Liberty. When it is a freedom from something affecting you, you can call it a security. Interesting. Now, uh,
0: what was the, the other part of your question? Well, yeah, so, so freedom versus Liberty. And so what I was going to, um, was going to ask is, would you rather be, well, let's call it, uh, Liberty. Well, I mean that's interesting. So liberty versus security. I got, I got to kind of frame it both ways. I mean, let me ask it the the you know, blue collar way first. Is would you rather be free in a non-Christian country or uh not free in a Christian country? Like a, with a Christian government or not or a um non-Christian government. What would you prefer? Well, and we can talk yeah. examples too. I mean, I know in some Muslim and also in uh in the like the the Mongolians, they did afford people religious liberty, but they also would, would conquer and things like that. So we can talk examples or, or whatever. But yeah, what would your preference be between those two situations?
1: Well, I'll say that I am part of a historically oppressed denomination. So it, in that sense, I would say I would like to be able to Exercise my religion freely,
0: mm.
1: and therefore, it it would make sense to uh, be in a country where I can exercise it freely. Now, of course, in, in the case of evangelism, I would also say that in in some cases it might be important to lose your freedom uh, in the service of the Lord. Mm. Now, that being said, I don't think that the idea of a Christian state is particularly useful. And it, it's not simply because the, because Christ's kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. It's also because from a perspective of practicability, It's, in my view, it's hard to ensure that the government is going to be Christian, and if somebody has the ability to decide which doctrines are legal and illegal, you end up in a situation where it gives a lot of power to people that could potentially work against you. Hmm. And we can see this in... uh, early modern europe where the ruling religious denomination uh, the, the ruling christian denomination in each country oppressed all the other denominations yes and, and and this happened usually now there are a few exceptions to this but i don't think that that's very useful uh as to as a standard for government that is
0: Okay. And so with so I think I, I think I've we've just touched on this a couple times with coinanism. And so you invented a uh your own system of government called coinanism. And it, what is the what what is and people can check it out at at coinanism.com. I can link it. But what is the stance on religion in coinanism? Is it kind of the same where it's every it's decentralized? It does it, it have any role. Does you have, because- have have any role in the upper level of coinanism?
1: uh i I agree with the idea that ideally rulers are religious mm. a- and are obedient to God okay let, let me be very clear on that point however, I don't think it's easy to create a system where you will consistently get people like that to be in charge in fact, I would say it's extremely difficult and unlikely to succeed so And and I say that from a historical perspective, because I I see that corruption always happens in, in various ways. So I would prefer a government that operated based on realistic interests of power dynamics rather than getting involved in the more spiritual elements of... And I'm saying spiritual things are real too, however, they're not real to the... Regular interaction that a government has in this
0: world—they're mm-hmm. not physical; they're not, you know, necessarily sense-based. I mean, they can and of dip course, into. They, that. they do yeah. have a
1: physical impact, mm-hmm. but I think that it, when it concerns the central government, I don't think it's particularly useful to have a unified religious policy.
0: Okay and so it's just and it's so it's just decentralized based on the locality and coin yeah. is like an infinite system that can split out into as many different you know smaller levels as possible so they could have their there be freedom of religion at the at the local level
1: um at the local level there might actually not be it, mm. it depends on the community true
0: yeah i guess and, that's interesting just like atheism where where people say atheism is is lack of a belief but i think that it's it's a religion just like anything else it's it's a belief system and so having n- no freedom of a religion could also be a belief system right
1: yeah and the advantage of this is that if people are actually interested in having a, a governance of their community that is religiously based they can yeah. and and that's regardless of the denomination that you're a part of so in, in that sense it, it is an advantage now in the case of evangelism a criticism i've heard is that people will try to stop evangelism in their communities if they don't like christians and i think that that is a real possibility Uh, However, as is true in any other case, it's something that we simply have to uh, deal with because historically this happened anyway. So Mm -hmm. we have to uh, obey God rather than men on on that point.
0: Yeah. What about the you know, what about the spread of of religions that that are that are? You know, like, for instance, we're about we probably won't get into this till I'm doing a segment on Christianity either tomorrow or the next day. But um, the satanic temple um, abortion is a religious. I don't know if the right word is sacrament, but it's a religious ritual to them. And they're pushing for that to be on billboards. They're 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 pushing for that to be, you know, um, you know, protected under freedom of religion. How would that work in your in coin
1: abortion as freedom of religion?
0: Well it's yeah it's 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 uh it's one of their religious I don't know I don't know what the right word is pillars or they they, they want it to be legalized as a as a um religious ritual
1: it, I I would say that there are baseline rules for a lawful society and unfortunately for some religions they don't all conform to those baseline rules and therefore while i i wouldn't uh i wouldn't go out of my way to ban the religion specifically it would be implicitly banned based on it uh violating that particular rule in its mm-hmm. practices so i i do think that uh murder should be banned and i consider abortion to be a form of murder
0: mm-hmm. yeah so it's like yeah, so like like you just said, it, you it wouldn't go out of your way to like ban the um, religion, but if it's a core tenet of of their religion, if one of the you know stealing or murder or something that is outlawed at the what's the top level called again? The it, it's the
1: supreme magisterium. Yeah, you can call it the central government. Or yeah, the central government,
0: supreme magisterium. But that's that's nice. on the
1: constitutional level.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
1: Perhaps a better way to put it.
0: Okay, cool. Um, the artist just said something in the chat that I wanted to go back and read. The artist says, I I'm going to a pastor's conference with my dad next month. I signed up for a panel called Christian nationalism, heresy or hype. Um, what do you have any any thoughts on Christian nationalism? I've heard some people say that they don't think it actually exists. I I say I'm a Christian nationalist all the time, but what's your thoughts on Christian nationalism?
1: Okay. So whichever way you go there's probably someone who's going to disagree but i don't care um, when it concerns nationalism okay nationalism is a fairly new idea an idea that only developed in western civilization and it took about a thousand years to develop and I, I understand that people like to translate in the Greek ethnos as nation. However, the way ancient people viewed nations is different than the way modern nationalists view nations. So I I think that's an important distinction to make. But when it concerns Christian nationalism, I don't think that there is such a thing as uh, an exclusively Christian country. I don't think that that's something that's possible to make. And and the reason I don't think that is because I don't think it's possible to to forcefully convert people or to uh, broadly persuade someone uh, or to have a a sort of uh, word confession causing someone to be a Christian on its own. And therefore, I don't think it's possible to create... A, a population that is exclusively Christian. And, and therefore, it's not possible to create a worldly Christian nation in that sense. Uh, because I, we have the kingdom of heaven. We have Jesus Christ as our ruler. We, we are not a people of this world. And I, I think that that's something that's very important to emphasize As Christians.
0: I see. So I see. I mean, I don't, the only thing I would wonder about is that even though, I mean, if you talk about a Christian nation or a Muslim nation, I mean, even with your most, you know, theocratic, I mean the thing that pops into my mind is, is 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 the is Muslim nations was every single person in that nation Muslim or did they just have a Muslim government and the vast majority of people I mean I, I don't really know examples but would they literally kill or kick out any person that wasn't a Muslim or
1: okay the, the, the early caliphates uh, for, for example uh, let's say the uh, Umayyad caliphate was majority Christian in its early years in wow. population. That is.
0: Yeah. But so, so, but so, so inside of their land mass inside of the, the land they had conquered, they were still majority Christian.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, that's true. And in the early middle ages in, in that time period, there was a large degree of tolerance hmm. for, uh, non-islamic populations they did have to pay a tax uh, now muslims were actually required to pay a, a, a special tithe uh which was larger than that tax it incidentally um, but uh in, in that way in in my view these areas were multi ethnic and multi-religious empires that had a ruling class that was of one particular religion and had a religious authority. I I suppose a similar example would be how in the Roman Empire, Augustus was the high priest, and he, he therefore had the authority over the religious institutions of the city of Rome. But at the same time, there were a large number of people that were not involved in those religious institutions and in fact there were even certain religions that were protected as being outside of the religious institutions uh, that uh, Roman society uh, preferred
0: huh so 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 as far as so the one talk one talk one point of distinction is how the the call it not non-modern people viewed the the word nation as through the lens of ethnos which would essentially mean blood or tribe and when people talk about nation these days they're basically talking about the modern nation state so and and so most people when they say they're a nationalist like me they're usually talking about either the nation state or even if they are an ethno nationalist which is most you know nations in the history of of the world were you know some sort of common people not not necessarily bloodline but you know ethnic group um you know that's why i call myself a christian nationalist because i'm a fan of the nation and i want my nation to be to be christian whether it's a blood nation or whether it's a you know hopefully i'm not a fan of multiculturalism um so i want my my nation to be a culturally homogenous. Christian nation. That's why I call myself a Christian nationalist. Now, that doesn't mean every single person will end up being Christian, but I, I'd like it to be. But are you saying that that's not preferable or not possible?
1: I don't think it's possible. Okay. Now, ideally, yeah. uh, ideally, everybody's a Christian, but we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's possible to create a purely Christian society and even in a society that is dominated by Christians, and let's say we we go again to early Europe and we have the Carolingian Empire, uh, the the Franks, and in in this time period, a lot of people went to church and unfortunately, and, and this is probably going to be controversial, my view is that uh, the church is a, an assembly of believers. And therefore, non-believers should not assemble in the church. Hmm. They should be evangelized. But evangelism occurs outside of the church and not inside of the church. And I think hmm. that this is a, a big mistake that occurred uh, partially due to the unification of church and state in uh the the middle ages but also from some overzealous evangelists that wanted to pump up as the numbers of their congregation
0: okay so you're talking what years are you talking about with the Carolin- i've i've read you know books and taken a couple history courses on this but what years specifically are we talking about we're talking
1: about uh, around the year 800, mm-hmm. the Carolingians conquered the Saxons and they forcefully converted uh, them. They killed many of them as well when they rebelled. Uh, however, I I don't think that produces a reliable... G- getting people to go to church alone is not what makes them a Christian. Yeah. Get, giving people a sort of cultural value as a christian is not productive uh for the church because it dilutes the church by having a lot of non-believers in it and the the communion of the saints doesn't go as as it should but also it is not good for people because then people get the false impression that they are part of the church when they're Actually, not
0: okay, and and so you might have touched on it a second ago, but what is say that your definition of the church one more time in your belief system?
1: Um, I, I said the church is I, I described the church as the the assembly of believers. Um, th- there's other ways to describe it, that's not the only way I, I describe it. Uh, I just want to be clear on that. I, mm-hmm. I just described it in that way to emphasize the idea of the assembly
0: okay yeah i mean i uh th- i mean just from my studying of different denominations and things like that that's almost it It might be the number one debated point across you know protestantism or catholicism or orthodoxy is what is the church you know is it a tradition is it the body of uh, body of believers are so are you would you call yourself a protestant uh
1: I, I suppose I, I fall under that category. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So what's what denomination? Are you a Reformed Baptist?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Got. And then then when you said earlier, you you have uh your denomination is is per, persecuted most of the time. That's what you meant, Reformed Baptist. I, I wouldn't say most of the time. I would say historically. Historically, okay, gotcha. Cool, man. That's an awesome viewpoint, man. Um, let me read some of these from from the chat real fast. It's always great getting your thoughts. So, yeah, so Nathaniel was talking about we should bring up the thousand years of Catholic Christendom. Um, is that what you, you know, is that what you meant? Is that the time period you're talking about um, when we, we brought up the Carolingians?
1: Um, I, I suppose partially now, not the, the Catholic Church wasn't the same exactly in its practices all the way through. So. I, I brought up a specific example because I had a specific point to make.
0: Okay, gotcha. Interesting. Let me, okay, so I wanted to. What I wanted to do now is I wanted to go through some uh, some headlines throughout the week, but I, I have some Christian stuff in the headlines as well. So let me read you some headlines, and uh, I'll give you a little just blurb from the article and we'll get your your thoughts so it says uh pro-life of yeah (laughs) it's just funny pro-life evangelicals for biden group says they feel used and betrayed by his radical abortion platform what's your uh i don't know if you've looked much into the is
1: that a babylon b
0: no this is well okay so people in my chat well most people in the chat will know um but they're under the babylon b there's three different companies there's babylon b which is totally satirical There's uh, not the B, which is real news that sounds like it's satire. And uh, there's discern, which is like real news from a Christian slant. And this is not the B. So this is a real story. Um, And so it says we feel used and betrayed and have no intention of simply watching these kinds of efforts happen from the sidelines. Many evangelicals and Catholics took took risks to support Biden publicly. President Biden and Democrats need to honor their courage. Thoughts? (laughs) Thoughts? <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. A candidate being pro-life alone is is not politically a good enough reason to support the candidate. Now, that being said, a candidate being pro-abortion is always a good enough reason not to support a candidate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. Being pro. I mean, would you call the, the Democrats on their their current platform pro-abortion? Yeah, yeah,
1: I I think that uh, there are some Republicans who are pro-abortion, but I think it's hard to it's harder to find Democrats that are uh, anti-abortion.
0: Yeah.
1: In fact, I would say, and this this is probably another controversial take. Uh, I, I consider abortion to be probably worse than genocide. Mm hmm. Now, in in the scale of abortions, there have been over sixty million abortions in the United States since Roe, Roe v. Wade. Probably a few million more. I I just rounded down, and there have been millions of American women who have participated in abortion, and killing your own offspring from your womb, in my view, is a a great evil. Uh, And in contrast to genocide, where you're killing someone who is probably a stranger to you, and it's still very bad, but killing your actual own offspring that you as a mother have a a duty to protect is, in my view, a, a very, very bad thing an abomination and i think that if the united states doesn't stop this uh we're going to be in for some big judgment from god
0: yeah yeah if not already and 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 not to mention when um you know there's a finite number of people groups i mean you know say you're in america and we probably have the most number of people groups or the most multicultural country almost ever but it's a finite number so if you're having abortion on that scale you probably are also committing genocide
1: well there are people that argue that uh, abortion is a genocide against uh african americans because early on those communities were targeted uh by individuals like margaret sanger as in as groups that uh they would prefer to abort.
0: Yeah. And uh, this one isn't isn't a headline that I have up on on the screen, but we went through it last week that um, you know, the the cultural left. A lot of people are saying that denying uh, black women the right to have an abortion is basically white supremacy. And I was like, dude, there couldn't be anything less. I I deny white
1: women also to have abortions.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and also, if there were real white supremacists out there, um, wouldn't they just be you know, basically on board with as many black abortions as possible, and if there were ones that really wanted, there, whites,
1: there probably are some that are.
0: Yeah, so it's just this flip, this almost inversion of morals, and and it makes no sense. Well, yeah, so hopefully, I don't know. Whenever, whenever I say hopefully the the judgment doesn't happen, you know, you could be arguing against God's will at that point, and we're taught to kind of pray God's will be done. So. <laughs> It's like either it's either it's going to happen or it's not. But a, abortion needs to stop. Absolutely, it's yeah. just terrible. Yeah,
1: and it, either we will repent or we will be judged.
0: Yeah, and so and do I, you,
1: I, I do think that the women that willingly and, and knowingly choose to receive an abortion should be punished as well, not mm-hmm. just the doctors that perform it.
0: What would your what would your punishment be in your governmental system?
1: Well. I I would say, it would depend on on the jurisdiction how they would punish murder. Um, if I were in a particular jurisdiction, I would prefer for it to be the death penalty. Wow. Now, now of course, I if we were to implement a law, I wouldn't implement it retroactively.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what I was just going to ask.
1: Yeah, because we'd have to kill literally millions. Uh, uh, of people if we did yeah. and <laughs> I, I don't think up. that i don't think that would be very uh convenient of an action however i i do think that we do need to definitely stop it
0: hmm. truth yeah i mean it's kind of it's kind of blackpilling man uh because you know we're not in power uh we could run for stuff and it's it's just the the act is heinous. The way to punishment, it maybe not heinous, but I mean, I'm pro death penalty, but it's also a person dying. You know, you're still taking a life, and you're taking a life with abortion as well. So it's just kind of black pilled mess of like crap.
1: Well, I, that's why I, I don't describe myself necessarily as someone who is pro life in 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 every way, because that mm. that's something that. A lot of abortion people point out, oh, how are these people pro-life when they also favor the death penalty? So I I wouldn't say that I'm in favor of every single life. What I am in favor of is justice. Yeah. And killing your own children is unjust, but punishing people who kill their own children is just.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the next one. This one says uh, Jerry Nadler asked the uh, excuse me. Jerry Nadler says the Democratic position out loud. What any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is of no concern to this Congress. That's a again, real headline. He really said it. There's a video right here. Um, God's will is is no concern of this Congress. I mean, to me, uh, this goes to the other line of there can't be this little of God in government. You know, God's will is definitely of a concern to whatever body or group I'm trying to influence or be a a part of. What do you think?
1: Uh, Yes, I I think that politicians should consider God's will. I don't think it's easy to persuade people that are uh, willingly in unbelief, in a willing state of ignorance Hmm. to uh, behave in that manner. And I think most people are in, in that state. And therefore I, I don't think it's practicable to have a theocracy in that sense. However, I, I do think that politicians who do know the law of God and do know the will of God should act according to it.
0: Okay. And so is it a matter of evangelizing two politicians or getting, uh, getting politicians to run who are already Christians? What do you think the better, I mean, you should probably do both, right?
1: Well, that is, if those types of policies are dealt with on that political level, hmm. then that becomes an issue. If they're not, then it's not an issue. And that's one of the things I try to accomplish in, in my system is to make that a non-issue, uh, to to put the areas where that would have an impact uh, in other parts of government where it's easier to hold people accountable and we, where you have to fight against less people to actually get these things through because the way it currently is if if it's centralized to the top level of government you have to uh, essentially push it through the entirety of the country Hmm. and you're going to also receive opposition from the entirety of the country this is
0: a very good point yeah so it's it's almost that centralization of christianity and 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 so, also to be centralized and Christian, you almost have to have a singular definition for Christianity, which That's doesn't true. doesn't really, you know, people. There's all these denominations.
1: If if your ruler is a heretic, and he is going to make the heresy a law,
0: then you're in big trouble. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then you could you get some kind of you know. Not rebellion against him, but you get you get centralized opposition, like you just said, which would be good against a, a heresy, but it's not good against. It's just centralization is is a double edged sword, and it's gonna
1: exactly yeah. Don't, don't give don't don't give yourself the tools that in the hands of your opponent would destroy you. Hmm. In in, in that sense, and I, I don't mean a sense of disarmament, but what I mean is. We should organize society in a way that – well, not society, the government in a way that we don't give ourselves too much power because we know that we we don't live forever in this world. And someday somebody else is going to come into power. And then if that person has the same power that we had, that person can then use that power against us.
0: Hmm. Yeah, true. So that's why you just – it's you know that's why your system is it could look like it's very centralized but it's also it's it's mostly layered right it's just there's these different layers and it's like a a checks and balance system going up through the layers with a yes. centralized authority up top on the, the on the essentials right
1: yes on the essentials
0: yeah okay and so what are those um we touched on it earlier things like murder but what are what are the essentials that the supreme magisterium yes I got it right would have um would have power over in coinism.
1: Yes, it would all be constitutionally defined. Mm. And, and therefore the constitution would be longer than the one we have because the one we have goes into ideas of uh, pre-existing rights and addressing common law and, uh, and undefined emergency powers and, and such things which can be a problem in the long term as we have experienced in this country so i think it's important to be more specific in a constitution now the, the powers that uh, this the supreme magisterium has are primarily uh, discretionary powers on the actions of the commissions that uh, are that operate on the top level okay so there is an Armed Forces Commission, which uh, deals with the the central military as well as coordination on law enforcement. There is the Strategic Infrastructure Commission, which uh, develops the necessary infrastructure for the other commissions and the Supreme Magisterium. Uh, and I, I had shown you the chart. There's there's yeah. other commissions. And they all have specifically defined powers that, uh, in many ways, do not trickle down to the lower levels. That is to say that if, let's say, on a lower level, you needed infrastructure, you wouldn't be going to the Strategic Infrastructure Commission. You'd have your own infrastructure agency dealing with that.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating stuff. I definitely welcome everybody to go over to coinism.com. That's K O I N I N ism, right? I get it right. Coin with a K, yes. right? All right. Sweet. I'm going to link it uh, below in the, in the show notes guys. So let's get away from, uh, the religious stuff for a second. I just wanted to bring up, um, immigration, uh, right now. Um, okay. so we have, you know, Biden's in charge or whatever. And because there's a, you know, a big national government or whatever, they run the whole southern border. But what do you think about this, you know, surge or whatever is going on right now? I mean, I kind of think it, you know, um, it's been bad for for decades. But what do you think about the immigration news right now? And, um, you know, why it's different now or maybe why it's the same? What are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, we should have expected this. Obviously, Uh, Donald (laughs) Trump was vocally opposed to large scale immigration. But uh, b- the Biden administration in its campaign was uh, more open to the idea. And it, it has been a, a sort of Democrat talking point of allowing more immigration. And therefore, the people in Central America and, and Mexico and other places, they hear about these things. And they hear about these things partially because activists tell them. But also because they they watch the news, uh, they they read books written by George Soros. Um, it, it, that that's a, a true thing. I I had a relative in Guatemala that uh, was uh, talking about this book he read, and and we looked at uh, who wrote it, and it was a book by George Soros, and it was a book that people were promoting over there.
0: Oh no, seriously? I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you do you know? Do you remember what the name of the book was? Uh,
1: no, I, I don't remember off the oh, top man. of my head. But,
0: you know, that's an, you know, we were just talking about religion, whatever I was going to move past. it, But I just saw this article that, um you know, it just says it's from Gab News and it's written by Andrew Torba, who's the who's the founder of Gab. And it says why the oligarchs fear Christianity. And it kind of was an interesting transition between what we were talking about before and now George Soros. um You know, uh, I mean, the left love and especially the mainstream news loves to just you know they don't really say anything um positive and i don't mean that in terms of like kind about george soros they don't make any positive claims about george soros they just say that the QAnoners honors or the conspiracy theorists just you know are anti-semites that hate the jews that think george soros is a is a bad guy they don't make any actual claims about the guy but what what do you know about you know soros's plans to to do his thing. And, you know, he's definitely an example of an oligarch, right? Uh,
1: yeah, in, in a way, um, people have put a lot of different criticism against him, uh, collaborating with, uh, the Nazis is, is, is one example. Uh, although it, it can be contextualized in a way where it's not so bad. Um, and, uh, also, him collapsing the economies of various countries through the way he uh, traded uh, stocks uh, is also a point of criticism. However, uh, it, it is very important to note that George Soros is actually in, an important partner of the US government
0: uh, <laughs> when it <Dang> concerns.
1: It. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, when it concerns the. Activities of NGOs in places like the Ukraine, uh, where the there, there was a revolution that was backed by the U.S. government through NGOs uh, and, and other places like that. And, of course, George Soros isn't limited in the things that uh, the Department of State wants. He also does his own things like the Open Society Foundation and people say he's very globalist in the way that he does things but as i was saying earlier these people in mexico and central america and in other places they are told by activists by people in the news by by other people that they should go to the us and and that is why many of them go
0: hmm.
1: And so when a political opportunity presents itself, all the activists rush down there and they tell everyone there's an opportunity to get into the U S there's an opportunity to participate in, uh, in the prosperity of the United States. And to many people, that's an appealing proposition and therefore they decide to go. Now, I, I don't think that this is beneficial to those people uh, Mm -hmm. because There's a lot of exploitation that happens along the way, human trafficking, sexual exploitation, violence and and various things. And then they're trying to enter a country without the permission of that country, which is criminal. And also I I view it as a problem for that country as well. So I I don't think that it is good that we're having these migrant caravans Coming through.
0: Yeah, it's bad for everybody. I mean, it's it's. I guess it's good for people like Soros, but it's not good for those people. It's not good for the common person, or just even the you know rich businessmen. Yeah, it, it's and, yeah. good
1: for people that want to politically capitalize off them, yeah. or people that want to have uh, undocumented laborers uh, doing ultra cheap labor with no benefits.
0: Yeah. Do you it's
1: think for those kinds of people? But do you, do you think that, that I don't think it's beneficial?
0: Do you think people like Soros or whoever, it doesn't matter, like should have the freedom to influence societies, or cultures in that way?
1: Well, I, I, I think the reason why they have that freedom is because of a way that the government is organized. Uh, politicians need a lot of money to get elected because they have to wage large publicity campaigns and therefore they need big donors and that's where you get people like george soros and and other groups act blue etc uh, and not not just on the democratic side also on the republican side we see a lot of special interest groups and unfortunately that's caused by the way our government is organized and therefore if, if we were to outlaw this it would uh, essentially be opposed by the politicians because that's how they get their money to get into office. Hmm. So, so the way to fix this is to reorganize it in a way that they lose the influence without the politicians losing the ability to gain power.
0: Hmm. Do you, do you think that who do you think should have the right to vote on federal elections in, in America? I, I
1: would say, it should be the
0: uh,
1: level of government immediately
0: below. Wow. Based. <laughs> so okay, so I, yeah. I, I
1: don't think that there should be a, a popular election mm. on the federal level.
0: OK. So but but OK, so here's one thing that got brought up a few times during the last election is that the um, the states still have a popular vote. You know there the state's popular vote chooses the uh the state congress people you know the people in the state house you know and then you're are you saying the people in the state house should vote for the federal elections um like how would that work
1: well it, i i would i would think that that would be better than what we currently have mm. or to be more exact the leader of whoever's in in the state house should vote. I I think that that might be a a better system.
0: Hmm. Okay. So are you saying the two, you know, so we have the state, the state senators, um, and and some of them have, I think most states have a, a house and a, and a Senate. So some of them don't, but most of them do, but not even those people you're saying the leader of the state Congress. So one person one, one state, one
1: appoints a person
0: to go to the higher level. One person. And,
1: and, and the reason why they appoint is so that they can be recalled at any time.
0: Huh. By the, pe- by the level underneath them, but not by the, the, not at what point would the popular vote start? That's, I guess, my question then.
1: The the popular vote starts in
0: the town you live in. Yes. See, Yes. Exact. Yes, this is based. So this is coininism, you know, the, the popular vote. Um, and so we last time you were on, I think that you you said that you would want to implement most parts of coininism at almost all levels. Like you want it to spread because that's what your political philosophy is. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That, that's that's what I see as the solution to the problem. So that's obviously the what I'm proposing as a solution to the problem. Hmm.
0: Cool, yeah, that's that's very consistent, man. That's awesome. All right, dude, we just did an hour. Thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell people? Um, oh, yeah, let me ask this: some about your work. Um, are you you're doing? Is that a podcast that you're doing with Wyatt now? What's the deal with that little collaboration?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a show we do. It's called Getting the Answers. Sometimes we talk about politics. Sometimes we talk about philosophy. Uh, we even talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a, a bit more. Um, psychological sociological idea so we we try to discuss what we think are informative topics and topics that are thought-provoking and we usually do that once a week uh, we couldn't do it recently because of a power outage but uh, we are starting that up again uh, because he lives in texas so he, there was a power outage there
0: Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're doing better. I know I had a couple friends that their entire plumbing went down for a couple weeks and that's not good. Um, cool. That's awesome. Good to see that you're collaborating with why and why don't you tell people where to find you? We're going to, you know, it won't be linked tonight, but in the morning, this stream will have your information linked in the show description, but why don't you just tell, tell the people how to find you online and anything you want to promote.
1: Yeah. So anyway, you can find me, uh, at coinism.com, uh, or on YouTube as Anavoltus, as uh, you can see in the title of the stream, or also on Bitshoot under that name. And uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, although I'm not always active, but uh, if you send a message, I might see it.
0: All right, sounds good. All right, Anavoltus, everybody. I know everyone in the chat really uh, enjoyed that, and uh, Godspeed, best of luck with everything, and I'll see you around, all right? All right. All right, take care, thanks for coming on.